Sunday morning musing, Sunday morning bluesing, with a cup of coffee and a friend. I'm just going to grab a little more coffee. One second. Wow. That's three cups already. No, it's not gone. Are you just topping up? I, You're just I topping just up? Yeah. I don't like cold coffee. God, you have a severe form of bedhead right now, and I am into I know. it. It looks really good. <laughs> like, it's really good. No, don't fuck with it. Don't fuck with it. This is what happened. This is what happened. Everything is so busy right now in such an insane fashion to which I have never experienced before. I'm I'm working seven days a week, like 100% working seven days a week. And yesterday, I was going to do some work and then go to a housewarming party. But then when I woke up, I realized I was so tired that I couldn't do anything at all. So I actually did nothing yesterday except wash my hair and not dry it. So that's why it looks like this is it air. I mean, it air dried. I didn't like dry it. I'm tired. I was actually going to say it kind of looks like that really cool commercial that iPhone has right now. I haven't seen it. Can we put that commercial up? I don't want this to sound terrible. I'm just talking about the type of hair that is being exhibited. And it is. Um, this is going to go fucking terribly wrong for me. Oh, it is no. actually a really beautiful dog <laughs> that is being featured <laughs> that's being featured in this commercial. I hate it, it's you. like being windblown and it's just got this beautiful look on its face and it's kind of luxuriating. And let me just show it to you. Let me just pull it up real quick. I am. I know. I know. You should, I know. I'm not meaning to offend you. I'm not meaning half to offend laughing, you. half crying, actual tears right now because you just. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I didn't mean. But again, let me just say that I didn't mean it in a uh, in a derogatory me- way. I'm not so Andrew just to... keeps digging himself in and is like, no, no, I watch do, this dog you know with its I'm hair eventually... blowing. I'm going to be so upset. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) It's not wrong. It's not wrong. I'm going to do Andrew. Welcome to Take Me to Coffee. This is a mentorship podcast for the digital age. For the doers, the builders, and the people who just like cool shit. Cool shit. The best part of a coffee date is getting personal with someone who's been down the road before you. Follow the road, go down it, and see what happens. Oh, Andrew, you're so funny. So this is your weekly chance to pick the brains of some super smart people. Smart people, smart people, smart people, smart people. Ooh, and you can soak up a whole lot of inspiration from every corner of the internet. Insert squirter porn joke. God, you're so much smarter than I give you credit for. This is Jess. <laughs> this is Andrew. So guys, grab a cup and let's get started. Dominate. <laughs> That's great. What are you drinking this morning, Andrew? We haven't done that in a while. Oh, God. Again, you know exactly what I'm doing and exactly when I'm doing it because I do the same thing all the time. I drink Intelligentsia Hospital. Why do you sound so ashamed? I don't sound ashamed. I just sound boring because I say this every single time. You know, I'm blowing it up. We actually got a comment on uh, one of our social channels the other day. I believe it was Instagram. Uh, somebody after listening to a few episodes of Take Me to Coffee and they had actually gone to an, an Intelligentsia <laughs> yeah. and bought House Blend. They DM'd us and they, you know, tagged us on IG and they were like, yo, listen, I've been talked into buying this because it's Andrew true. Call is vehement about his love for Intelligentsia Coffee. And I, I don't mean to sound, you know, bad about it or salesman or whatever, but it's a fucking great cup of coffee. It never, it never disappoints. Andrew's now an influencer, just like Kylie Jenner. 
I am doing something cool. I kind of got into this new coffee subscription company because someone I know knows about it. It's called Tradewind. It's a super rad. You get like a you know pound a month, which is not anywhere near enough coffee for me. She's gone, I'm not kidding you guys. She's gone through at least six cups of coffee just this morning. It's true. It's true. But it's good. And they have really cool coffee. And they have this like awesome cruiser, like coffee cruiser that'll go to events and stuff, which I think is really rad. I'm interested in diversification, right? So I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a man who, although I've been drinking Intelligentsia for the last yeah. God knows how long, years it's been, I do enjoy different cups of coffee. I know. You know and the coffee game is so strong these days. It's like... It's like wine, probably maybe even bigger than the varietals that you're going to find in wine these days. It's good. I will be drinking a lot of my Tradewind coffee subscription this month because I am writing the script for the Hetrick Martin Institute's gala, the Emory Awards. It's really neat. And I'm so honored that I get to be a part of it. Who is Hetrick Martin? So Hetrick Martin Institute is this incredible place here in New York City that provides emergency housing and also like programming and community programming for at-risk LGBTQIA youth. And they've been around for over 40 years. They also have the Harvey Milk School here in the Tri-City area for LGBTQIA youth. Um, And the work that they do is super amazing. There's just a really um, high percentage of LGBTQIA youth who are homeless or facing issues of homelessness on and off sporadically. And they they do some really cool stuff. So every year they have this big gala, of course, to raise money. And um, they have all these like super famous people. And so I write the script for it. So last year I wrote all of the like script for Brandon Victor Dixon, who hosted it for them. And I got to help Monica Lewinsky with her speech and the sure. guy who uh, designed the meat dress for Gaga. Yeah, super rad. Like, so cool. So I'm about to go into like this crazy two weeks of writing all the stuff for this year's. And uh, it's so cool. They're honoring Nico Tortorella, who's this amazing actor. Uh, Their pronouns, I believe, are they, them. They've been really on the forefront of like fluidity of sexuality as a public person in Hollywood. So like really making a lot of inroads in that sort of acceptance in Hollywood and entertainment. They're also honoring DC Comics which is so rad Uh because they've been so amazing about characters, you know, in the comic books that are LGBTQIA. And then Mario Cantone is hosting this year, which I'm like super excited. That means I'm going to get to help with like his script and his bits and stuff. So that's awesome. Um, The really exciting part, because I obviously get to attend as a guest, which is really exciting, uh, is that the B-52s are performing. No. Ah, Yeah. Are you kidding me? Can you try to get on stage and just sing one of the choruses of Love Shack? (laughs) Can you do do your best to just try to pop in there? Yeah, for you. The thing that's hilarious about that, let me bring up, this is the, I am the absolute least important person, even though it's amazing that I get to tell these stories. You're the most important to me, though. Thank you. Their host committee is Michael Buble, Andy Cohen. Deborah Cox, Margaret Cho, Alan Cumming, Leah Delaria, Nathan Lane, Katie Lang, Salinas Levia, Isaac Mizrahi, Bevy Smith, and Michael Yuri. <laughs> Last year, I am trying to remember, but I think we raised $3 million that night. Fuck off. Yeah. Three sticks? Are you kidding Isn't me? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that cool that I get to be a little tiny part of that? Not tiny at all. You're fucking making fucking puppets work, is what you're doing. <laughs> I guess so. God. Oh, God. Yo, this week's episode was amazing. I'm so excited for everybody to get to listen to this. We talked with maybe one of the funniest humans alive and also one of the kindest, Danny Pudi. He might also have a bit of an ocular degeneration issue because Mm, he wore mm -hmm. seven pairs of glasses at one point during the episode. Yeah. Yeah. He just kept putting them on. 
You texted Danny and asked him to come on the podcast. I did. I did. Danny Pudi, he's such a gentle, wonderful, talented, hilarious human being, like all of the things. And um, he's obsessed with his family and his two kids. And like just hearing him talk about everything is so special. Like the episode we get into what? Like diversity and him, you know, being of mixed descent of Polish and Indian descent, yeah. which is kind of a amazing kind of weird part of the bunch community of Ew. people in Chicago. And it's cool too. I think like this episode, you guys are going to really enjoy it. And I think even like moving into next year, because again, much like a couple of the episodes we've done, I feel like we just had this conversation at this little eye of the hurricane right before. Yeah. yeah Danny's got like a wild 2020 coming up. He's got this Apple TV plus series called Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest. He's got Baby Splitters, which is an indie comedy that's coming Baby out. splitters. And uh, of course, Parv and Pootie, which is a two-person sketch show. They've been around for a while, right? Parvish and Danny have been very good friends for a long time. They tour colleges. They tour, God, they tour everywhere. I mean, they played some pretty big houses and they play some really small houses too, like basements of frat houses yes. during hazing week. <laughs> um, it's pretty special. We'll put all those links down in the show notes so that you guys can check out what he's up to. And you know what? Don't forget. If you'd like to be a guest on TM2C, head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C Podcast to leave us a video ask question for an upcoming guest. If you want to be on our episode, do that and do it now. We got some really good questions for Danny that were like amazing things to talk about that we probably wouldn't have thought to ask. So you guys are really important part of this uh, podcast and we hope that you continue to ask our guests awesome questions. We hope you enjoy this episode of Take Me to Coffee with Danny Pooty. <laughs> How do you like living in, in River North? How do you like it down there? Uh, I'm actually in the loop proper, but oh, you are? I okay. kind of love it actually, yeah, except for on weekends great. when there's nothing to do because it is essentially the financial district of Chicago. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful and great and everything, but there's nothing to do. So I basically live in the mall and uh, watch a lot of movies, hang out at my house a lot. Pretty much now that it's wintertime, and I know you know this, I am relegated to the house. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is that time, man. This is where my skin just gets wide open and mm. it cracks all over the place because it's so dry <laughs> yeah right Can't stand it that oh. is the truth it's so gross i'm just gonna stay in the background while andrew and danny catch up right now <laughs> oh my What's god up, bro? can you what is up man it's been too long my friend oh man it's been, been so man? long i'm doing well man it's good to see you i mean years it's been years I mean, it's been i'm I still have wires. And you have wireless <laughs> headphones now, man. Things are good. Everything's changed. Everything Every has changed. You haven't changed a bit other than you look more handsome than ever. I don't know how that's possible. Is it because you sleep all day? I, well, that's because I sleep a lot. Sleep is number one. It's my <laughs> number, number one secret. One. Is that any, anybody have a What's question? Two? About What's two? What's number two? Uh, okay, sleep. Number one. Number two. Boom. Trees. Nature. Got to look at trees. <laughs> yep. Boom. Number three. Oxygenate. Social. We're human beings. We need to talk. Ooh. I like to talk. and I go. I, I got to look at people's faces. Just so I can understand them, got to process things. I got to know what's going on. I got to be able to yeah, clear yeah. my mind. I got to tell you about what's going on in my life, and I want to hear about what's going on in your life. That's number three. Those are my top three. Number Boom. four, okay. I don't know, avocados. Avocados, probably. Yep, that'll do it right there. What is this a secret to? I don't know. Yeah, what is the secret to, Andrew? You tell Growing me. old and looking better. Got it. Oh, that's what it is. Then yeah. you did previous, the years previous. How do you get? How do you get better with age? The fountain of youth is what that is. That's the four keys to the fountain of youth. Oh man, is, is are you because of Zencast? Are you in my brain right now? I feel like I am. I've zoomed myself into your brain pan. Here's a question, Andrew. Um, yeah, go can ahead. you hear me all right? Can you hear me yep. okay? Okay, can you hear me all right? <laughs> can you hear me all right? 
okay? For anybody who of our Patreon, the Coffee Club members, you have to be watching this because Danny Pudi knows how to really manipulate okay? the camera, and he knows exactly okay? what he's doing. He's a brilliant, brilliant can you hear comedian. Me okay? Oh man, I can. Um, by the end of this, you're gonna have to figure out where the mic was. This whole podcast. Oh, where that's was a great mic? little game. That's a great little game for our listeners. Where was it? I don't know. I don't know. Was it over to there? the left of me, to the right of me. Was it behind or was it, me? Or is it right there? This is this will be pretty par for the course with the uh, all our shit episodes with shit oh, sound. God, we we actually had. We had Christina Anthony on here a couple of, a couple of months ago, and oh, I love Christina. Awesome. The best part is we we recorded the whole thing in her bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Camera pulls back to reveal her bathroom. Ridiculous. So listen, uh, let's let's get to chit chat here, man. What have you been yeah, up to these days? Let's get to chit chat. Things are really good. I'm in uh, California. You're in Chicago, my hometown. Yep, that's true. Shout out to Chi Town. Hey, um. Life is good. I actually was just in New York. I did a dance show with Monica Bill Barnes. With Monica Bill Barnes. Yeah. Oh my God. I saw it. our mutual friend, Sandy Rustin Fletcher, uh, writer extraordinaire, posted some things on the socials. And I saw that you had um, debuted your New York City dance career, something that you've really been wanting to do for so long now. It's It was time. You know what I mean? It was just time, Andrew. But it was really great. The show was the world, amazing. The world needed you. It did. It did. Brookfield Place, especially. People in the mall that didn't know if I was part of a show or just shopping. That was very exciting. So it was kind of like a flash mob. And then people would be approaching yeah. me. And then all of a sudden they would see me strumming an air guitar. And they're like, I don't know if this is just his thing like that he does on weekends here in New York. Yeah. Or if it's an actual show, which was really exciting. And I think Monica Will Barnes, I mean, she's just so brilliant. So it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah, right. So was this, uh, was it the recycled choreo that we used for the show that we did together? Found the music? <laughs> it was like uh, some of the choreography that we had done in Found. Did it, did it come back to you? Like, oh, yeah. Did it come right back to you? I mean, we did a little bit of the, uh, the sort of, what was that from West Side Story or is it from Greece? God, I forget this? what that was. That's Greece. Maybe yeah. Greece. I don't know. The, the hand jive? Greece. The yeah, hand, the hand jive? jive? Is that, which Greece. one is that? Sure. That's yeah. Greece. There was Greece. a little bit of Greece hand jive in there. There was some boxing, you know? Monica loves Right. Boxing. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there were some moves, but a lot of it was really just different and it was really fun. And then Robbie, uh, the co-creator had all these sort of backstories to all the, uh, all the different, uh, members of the ensemble. I mean, there's some serious dancers there. Uh-huh. I was just kind of like hanging along and having fun. It was really good. Of course. That's awesome. So you just flew in just to do that. Yeah. Did one week of that and okay. I'm on a little bit of a break right now. I did a yeah. TV show for Apple, which comes out soon. It's called Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest. Yeah, right. Okay. It's uh, part of the the streaming boom. I don't know if people have heard about this. <laughs> There's a lot of different shows, a lot of different services, a lot of content out there. And I have some more for you. So uh, it's going to be part of Apple TV+. Oh, okay, Plus. God, I can't wait. But it's really cool. Rob McElhaney from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Love Rob, yeah. yeah. He's awesome. He created the show. Megan Gans is the showrunner. She's amazing. And she was a writer on Community. Yep. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a really cool cast. It's behind the scenes of a video mm-hmm. game company, which I think is pretty topical right yeah. now. And I play a guy who who's just all about money, so it's it's really great. <laughs> it's, it's kind of perfect though. It's <laughs> pretty business. much typecasting. Business, because that's business. what this guy cares about. He cares about cash. And I care about cash. Give them euros. Cash money. Give them euros. <laughs> Wait, is this where you were in Vancouver? Is this what you're doing? Vancouver, I was doing a Disney movie, um, which will be out. Oh, okay, next year. okay, great. God, Disney please tell Plus. me it's something amazing. So. I know you probably signed an NDA or something, but it was it amazing. It was this really something fun. amazing. It was super fun. I got to be there for like three months. My kids got to come with me, which was really cool. Yes, how are they? Fiona and James, how are they, man? They're great. They're seven years old. Life is good. They're in second grade. Okay. 
What? Yeah, they're it has been years. It has been years. I mean, I could like barely pick them up without dislocating multiple <laughs> muscles. So that's like that's where I'm at. My daughter gave a presentation on Diwali yesterday. That's coming up soon. Happy Diwali, Happy Diwali everyone. Yeah. My son was uh, playing pirate ball yesterday on the playground. What's uh, that? And, uh, yeah, can you explain that? It's an amazing game. Yesterday, I learned what pirate ball was, but it's really cool. They have this new game on the on the blacktop. By the way, uh, it's nothing like 95 degrees in Pasadena, California, right now, end of October. Jesus Christ. Oh, That's why I'm wearing a black shirt. <laughs> You're cold. You're always cold. I knew that about you. I am. I even, I'm literally drinking hot coffee right now because I'm insane. Well, no, you're not insane because this is the Take Me to Coffee podcast. What kind of coffee Ooh. are you drinking, Danny Pudi? Good question. I'm drinking Cafe de Leche coffee. It's here in Highland Park. They roast their own beans. I think it's a Nicaraguan blend. Wow. It's really good. Pirate ball. There's four squares, four teams. Orange, purple, blue, Yellow, or I mean any colors, but in, in this case, those were the four colors. And every group has to run into the other squares and pick up little bean bags of their color. So the first team to bring back all four bean bags of their color wins. But if you get tagged in an opponent's square, you get put into jail. The jail is a hula hoop. You could have one foot in the hula hoop, one foot out. And then it's up to one of your teammates to come and tag you out. Did you make those rules up? I don't know who did. Whoever did is a genius. Shout out to the Pirate Ball owners. Shout out to Pirate Ball, our sponsor. Pirate here. Ball here on the Take Me to Coffee podcast. I want to thank you. Remember, it's two for one. Two for one. Take Me to Coffee podcast and uh, Pirate Ball uh, uh, t shirts will be selling those oh, on, in our my merch, God. Uh, merch area, which is located right over there. Yes. Like right there. <laughs> oh, Danny, can you tell me something for our listeners out there? Like, you are clearly a, a genius comedian, and you've done so many great things out there. Can you tell our listeners right now, like, kind of how where you got started a little bit? Like, what was the first time that you were like, "Man, I'm goofy. I'm gonna live in that, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be me." So, I was born in Chicago. My father was born in India. My mother was born in Poland, um, and that's where the comedy started. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm laughing at yes. that. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> uh, the reason why is because I grew up in a Polish neighborhood, and from a very young age, my mother made me dance with a Polish dance troupe, a folk dance troupe. So at the age of five, I was this child who didn't look like the rest of the <laughs> Polish dance troupe, who was waltzing, doing you know the mazurek, and doing other Polish dances on weekends. Mm -hmm. So there's always this feeling of like, wait a minute, something's different here. It was just sort of absurd, you know? Um, yeah. My family was very serious, but my grandparents were super into the arts. And so we'd always be watching weird movies and stuff like that. Most of them were actually Polish, but other things too. And I think that they fostered the arts from an early age. I was always going to watch dance shows, going to see weird plays, things like that when I was little. So I had a very, I guess, non-traditional upbringing in that I'm from an immigrant household, but they definitely pushed the arts. And I think they saw me right away and they're like, this dude's not going to be a doctor. So give it up now. Put him on a stage <laughs> immediately. Yeah. So it was just different. I grew up in Chicago, kind of felt like an outsider, but my family was awesome and very warm. And I think I kind of lived in that world where outside was one thing, but inside my house was something completely different. Yeah. I was always playing dress up, dressing up in my grandma's wigs. And she was like, you are too comfortable in those wigs, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, but I always liked being on stage and I just always felt like at home there. So do we have any photos of you in a traditional Polish like outfit? Yeah, they're out there. There's a, there's a couple of <laughs> uh, pictures of you with my group called Vesoa Ludek. Okay. I'm looking dope. I'm looking sick. My mom made some of my costumes, I'm sure. Oh my God. It's Are they the fan, like a kind of family where you spoke one language in the house and English on in the outside of the house? Like do you speak yes. Polish and 
Yeah. So at home, we only spoke Polish. So when I went to school, we would speak English. But then my neighborhood that I grew up in had a large uh, Latino population. So most of the people, like there was a lot of Mexican families in my neighborhood. So people thought I th- that I spoke Spanish, but then I'd be like, no, I speak Polish. And then they would usually laugh or just be confused. <laughs> so that was, it was kind of interesting. But at home, we were very much like an immigrant family. I grew up with my grandparents. They watched me. And they didn't speak any English, so we had to speak Polish at home um, in order to get food. <laughs> Just forced into it. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome, though. That's I kind of had no idea that that was like to the extent that that's where you, that's how you grew up. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I think I'm not sure. There's some debate about whether or not I spoke English going into kindergarten. So mm-hmm. Polish was my first language at home because that was all we spoke. Right. And which is, I think is kind of interesting now, you know, cause I look at my kids now going into school and I'm like, man, I was messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused growing up. I was just so confused. Dude, right. Of course. Though. I mean, you know, you see a bunch of kids yeah. around you being like, wait, that guy's Indian, yeah. right? And he speaks Polish and Spanish and like street Spanish. No, it was, it was a really, really wonderful childhood because uh, it was just like a cultural neighborhood. It was, we knew everybody yeah. around us. Uh, Do your kids have that kind of sense of multiculturalism? I mean, it obviously wouldn't be the same, but. You know, indirectly, it's a little different because my, in my home right now, my wife is from Iowa and she's very American, you know, so it's a little different. We don't have like grand, grandparents and random aunts living with yeah. us like I did, uh, which was pretty great because it was like, if I got in trouble, it wasn't just like one person yelling oh at my me. God. It was like, oh, it's yeah. like all the, all the grandparents from Willy Wonka and all the beds around Charlie in the movie. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that was a little different. I always felt like I remember being like afraid to cough when I was a little kid because if I coughed, 10 people would be yelling at me or trying to put like vapor rub on my body or something. <laughs> it was just like smothered in love and discipline. That's how I felt. It's a little different now because like I said, our kids, we there's four of us, me, my wife and our two kids. And so it's a little quieter, but I don't think they, to them, I don't, I don't think it really matters. This is just mm-hmm. their normal, you know? And we live in a pretty yeah, diverse right. area, which is really cool. And they get to see kids from all over the place. And that to me has just always been important. And, and, and it's pretty cool. How long have you guys been in Highland Park? Well, we actually live in Pasadena, California, but the Highland ah, Park is not gotcha. far from us. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, we've been here about 10 years now. Yeah. About 10 years. Just outside Los Angeles, if people don't know, it's where the Rose Bowl is and um, it's just, just northeast of downtown LA. On Take Me to Coffee, we actually, it's a mentorship thing for us, but it's also a mentorship thing for everybody who's listening. So we got questions from people who hang out with us on the internet, and we got a really good first question for you. So let's hear it. Hey, Danny. Uh, this is Stefan from Long Island, New York. Uh, huge fan. Hashtag six seasons in a movie. I wanted to know when the next Troy and Abed collab was going to be, or Danny and Donald. But if I, if I had to ask an actual question, it would be how do you balance your social life as in old friends from maybe your childhood days or new friends that you make, you know, on, on sets and continuing on? How do you balance those relationships with, you know, you keep on meeting new people and you keep on working on new things? A lot of friends. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. Hmm. Stefan, that's a great question. I think um, the, the next collab, I think you're going to have to wait on that. I don't know. It's going to be a while. <laughs> uh, I mean, you guys are independently both pretty busy. Yeah, thankfully we've had some really good ones. So uh, we'll see. I mean, as far as friendships, yeah, I think that's constantly a, a juggle. It's just juggling. I'm trying to think of like the last month, like for instance, I went to Milwaukee to do a comedy show with one of my oldest friends, Parvesh China who Andrew, you know. Barbish, yes, of course. 
wonderful actor, comedian, and he lives out here in LA and he's actually one of my oldest friends. He's, I stayed on his couch when I first moved to LA and we do a two person comedy show sometimes at colleges and comedy festivals. So last month I went to Marquette, my alma mater and did a show there, but I flew into Chicago and met probably my oldest friend from sixth grade. And we drove up to Milwaukee together just for a little road trip and then met one of my high school buddies there too. So two of my best high school buddies came to the show, me and Parvations. I'm always looking for ways I can kind of meet up with my buddies, especially if I'm traveling and I'm near them, kind of keep in touch with them. And it always makes me feel good. And I think it's important. As far as uh, all the other people I get to meet, one of the best things about this job is that all the different projects you work on, you get to meet a lot of cool, mm. interesting people. And I love that. It makes it exciting. You get to, to learn a lot about a lot of people and a lot of different things. So we try to meet up for coffee and I'm especially big on daytime stuff now because I have kids, mm -hmm. two young kids. So yeah. it's hard to do stuff right. at night, but I'm a big fan of coffee. And I'm also a big fan of daytime movies, not just because I'm terrified of horror movies at night, but me and a bunch of dads I know out here now, we have this sort of dad movie club. Okay. I, I just look for different ways to connect with people, you know, whether it's going to see a movie, whether it's going to coffee. And then I just try to support my friends who are artists at their shows. So if they somebody's in a show, Parvatius in a show right now, I'm going to go see him next week. I'll try to go to their show. You know, that's yeah, it. Of course. Isn't it so hard at doing what we do? Because you just like meet these people, these amazing people and just fall in love. Not with everybody always, but so yeah. often really like fall in love. And there's zero way to keep up with everybody, you know? Yeah. Like I just did the stand show in New York and the ensemble was incredible. But uh, there's just so many people in so many talented things going on. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, the streaming revolution. There's so much good stuff out there and you, it's, it's going to be hard to yeah. keep up with everything, you know, right. you just got to try. But yeah, that's the hard thing. It's like summer camp mm -hmm. constantly. I always feel like I'm like falling in yeah. love with people and having the best time and feeling like there's just all these like little pockets of inside jokes I have in my history. Where, you know, right. I, I say certain things and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. When I go, oh, four, that means nothing to you guys. But if I said that to like a couple of people in the Casa <laughs> community, they would immediately laugh because of this joke we have about the number four. You know, yeah. it's like weird. But like things like that happen all the right. time. You know? We should tell people that are listening the story of you guys meeting because I feel like we've alluded to it, but we haven't actually explained it yet. Oh, glory <laughs> be. Andrew just got the most mischievous smile on his face. <laughs> I, yeah, I so I, I knew I knew who Danny was uh, prior to this project that we both uh, were going to do. It was a uh, show at the Atlantic Theater Company called Found the Musical. Uh, Davey Rothbart created this magazine called Found, which is about found notes and letters and things and kind of compiles them and weaves a you know loose narrative about people's lives and kind of taking these lost found notes, letters, other people's trash. And they created a whole show around it. So when it first showed up the first day of rehearsal, I was like, what are we doing here? I knew basically everybody in the room except for Danny. And then... I forget the first words out of your mouth, but I started cackling with laughter. And I was like, this is it, man. I love this guy. I thought we're good. We're good here. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, I think Andrew and I clicked right away because it was a very strange show. <laughs> very strange show. So weird. So but that's weird. what I loved about it because that experience, like to me, is something that I'll just, one of the best creative experiences of my life because it was like this dance show, a real musical, a sketch comedy show, and then also like an art installation, all like bundled up into one show. I, I don't know why I was there until I realized that there was like sort of the sketch comedy component. And I was like, oh, okay, I get what I'm here. Right. For. There's also some dance where I was like, okay, I could do this thing while like, you know, Barrett belts out some stuff and Andrew hits high notes that I've like never heard before. It was just really impressive. This is the story I, I like to tell people about Andrew. Oh, boy. <laughs> During one of our performances of Found, 
during previews, I had this solo for this song called Daniel's Toy Trading Shop, right? <laughs> Everyone knows it, right? Everyone's using yeah, yeah, it as audition yeah. material right now, Yeah, of course. Now, right? I mean, it's a, it's a hit. Daniel's Toy Trading Shop. Okay, so and during one of the previews, and I hadn't known that this was something that you do, because again, this is new to me. Andrew's a pro. A lot of these people, they know they know what's going on. So I'm looking to Andrew for help on how to like deal with this. They changed the music on me, okay, <laughs> in one of the previews. They changed the music on me. The notes are are switched up. And then I was like, okay, well, how much time do I have to learn this? And they're like, no, we're doing it tonight. We're putting it into the show tonight. And so you rehearse it during the day. Literally, there's changes. And then that night, in front of an audience, you have to perform this new stuff. And I'm like, okay, I've never done that before. And also, this is a song within a song. So there's no prep for it. It's not like I'm able to like hear the note or anything. It just kind of comes out of nowhere, right? Yep. And I can't read music. And this was a challenge for me. <laughs> so anyways, I'm working on it. I'm practicing all day. Betsy Morgan is helping me out a lot. Of, it's it's helping me, but I don't have enough time. It's just going to be a fun disaster for everyone to see, right? Um, so, so sure enough, we're on stage. That moment's coming up. I'm about to sing my note, and I have no idea what the note's going to be. So I'm just like, <laughs> like every note. I hit all the notes. Yeah, in his range. Andrew yeah. is dancing right next to me during this. He's dancing right next to me. I look over, Andrew's supposed to be dancing in character, looking out at the audience, and he's looking at me like, <laughs> just, I can't, he you can't. Lost it. Lost it. And then I, of I course, couldn't. lost it. And it was I just couldn't. so delightful just to be like, uh, surrounded by that much like love, but also sort of like, this is hilarious together. And it's just, I think everyone knew that I, there was no way I was oh, going to get you that. Are kidding? Note. Like, Right. Nobody should be shoved into that type of situation, oh. especially. It made me, it was one of the. Someone who doesn't sing regularly. Uh, most fun moments I've ever had on stage, actually, because of that. And I couldn't help but laugh because I love you so I, much. Well, I know. And that, and I was then like laughing because I was watching you execute dance moves and hit your notes while laughing at me. Was, but that's what I appreciate because, Andrew, you and I always on stage together, it always like felt fresh. Every moment was like, oh, this is I could check in with you and. I love that. I just love yeah. it because it was like always new, which was cool. Uh, there is one moment that I will always remember when I came to you when we were on stage. We were in previews or something, and I was like, during my number, Lord Patrick, King of the Ladies, Danny at one point was playing a, a yogic patron of this yoga studio that I run, and we're in the middle of this class, and I was like, hey man, um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna sit on you during this number. Like I'm actually, you're gonna be in like you know like a cat cow position. I'm actually just gonna sit on you. And then I'm going to grab your head. We're going to do a thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, great. Let's do it. It was the most collaborative, the fucking most fun I've ever had. It was so much fun. I love that. So I thank you for that. But that's why I appreciate that. Like you meet certain people and you're just like, I creatively vibe with them just because you're like, let's just go for it. Let's try something. And that is the most fun when you're like, let's see what happens. Let's get weird, man. Let's just get weird. Uh, Let's get real weird. That show is weird. At one point, I I brought an iron on stage and then I got a note saying, don't bring irons on stage anymore. Right, right. We took the we took the sketch a comedy a little too far, little but the director far. was like, "Well, just because he grabbed it from uh, one of the dressers' hands, she was using it, and he brought it just brought it out. He's like, I'm gonna take this out. It's a hot iron.' I was Danny. playing like a dad character, and I was like, I should just come out with an iron or something. <laughs> was, it's like I just like the idea of this guy mid iron has a thought that comes on stage, you know, as we all as human beings do, right? And I think we have another question. I want Stefan to ask a question again because he's a super fan of you. Hey, Danny, this is uh, Stefan from Long Island, New York. What motivates you and what what really motivated you when you first started or decided you wanted to be an actor and like 
eventually you landed on community. How'd you get to that point? Cool. Thank you, Stefan. What motivates me? Uh, many things. I wish I could say it was one thing. Starting out, I always knew that I just felt like a being on stage and being an actor, especially physicalizing something, moving. That's how I feel like I could best express myself. I am super interested in human beings. I just love weird human behavior. I get stuck on conversations. I love documentaries. I just love humans. And so anytime I see two people having an interesting conversation on a train or something like that, I'm immediately drawn to that. I love it. If somebody's on a phone and in an argument on that phone, I'm like so drawn to that. That's one of my favorite things in the world. I just love wondering who the other person is on the other line of that phone, right? What are they doing? What are they saying? What kind of faces are they making? Um, As long as I can remember, I've always been just like really interested in human behavior. So that's one thing that motivates me. And as, as far as what motivates me every day, I love sort of being busy. I do love being busy, but I feel best when I'm creating something, whether it's doing a show with my friends, whether it's acting, whether it's doing a dance show. Anytime I'm creating, I just feel very alive. That's that's really what motivates me. And so I know that. And so I just try to keep creating. And then I think on a little bit of a tangent, but also this is one of my current motivations and it's been a motivation too. I grew up without seeing a lot of people that looked like me or that I could really connect with on television and in film. And I always was very aware of that. To me, being able to be a voice for underrepresented communities, people like me, people that didn't have a voice, that's also very, very important to me. And I'm always looking for ways I can help to be a voice, help to be not just a voice, not just be on screen, but also be a more accurate portrayal on screen, a more layered portrayal on screen. So that's something that's motivating me right now, too. My friend and I were just having this conversation about a particular uh, (laughs) show, Broadway shows, that the cast just got announced for. And how disappointing it is that I think people like us and our age are, and I'm sure this is with you. I know Andrew and I talk about it. Emily, this podcast, we pour through like representation. Who are we having on and how are we showing like the full spectrum Mm -hmm. of people? And I don't quite understand how like big commercial stuff is not expected to do that work. Like this casting came out and I was like, how is this even possible? It's just this very, 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 very white cast. It's Mm -hmm. not just so disappointing and it makes me sad. That's all. The end. (laughs) It is. And I think it's nice to be able to actually to be able to talk about it. It's been something that has been happening for a long time, you know, and like studio films have a long way to go in terms of accurate representation. And, you know, that's something that's been hard for me, to be totally honest. I haven't been in a lot of studio films. And that's why films like Tiger Hunter, films like uh, I just did another movie called Baby Splitters, a movie after that called The Argument. They're all independent films because I think in independent cinema, I think that's why it's really important too. There's a little bit more room for people of color. There's mm-hmm. there's more room for sort of stories that are uh, maybe not mainstream, right? And I think it's hard when uh, you know studio films are expected to make so much money, and there's all these other other factors going into it. It's like anything else when there's just people get comfortable doing the same thing that's worked, right? And I think in my community, for instance, I think it's really important that we have more people that are writing, that are producing, that are directing, because that from the ground up, yeah, it's got to be from the top, yeah, it has to start there. So it can't just be like can't be just like waiting for a role to pop in that is finally the half Indian, half Polish dancer role that I've been waiting for my whole life. <laughs> no one's going to write it. Yeah. So you've written that for yourself is what you're saying. Are you announcing that on this podcast that you've written that role I'm for yourself? I'm writing it right now. I'm trying to, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, a casting director I was a friend that I was hanging out with yesterday. We're like, 
okay, we can watch another kitchen table. Hey, came home from work, honey. Or we can watch the hilarious, amazing, love-filled, surprising series about the family you grew up in, right? Like, which is a story we haven't heard. And it just feels like that's actually a boon. It's not a liability. It's a whatever the opposite of liability. It's a reality. Yeah. I want to hear those stories. It is. It is reality. I mean, that stuff's super interesting. I just don't know if like, nobody wants to take a chance. You're right. Everybody is kind of stuck in the old ways or stuck in this thing. They're like, this is what makes money. This is how we do it. We know that these numbers work. But then again, you're alienating an entire faction of people who will be willing to go and alleviate most of what you think you're going to lose because you've just drawn in a whole new audience. Yeah. And it's also, I think, interesting. Like, I want to see films with families and perspectives that I haven't seen before. Yes. I do. Exactly. I think there's room for it. I think that's a way we we can actually grow and learn. I also think that like it's okay to be scared, but we can talk about it. I think we should talk about it. I think that sometimes people get scared. Uh, I don't know. This character could be sort of this ethnicity because the person that I wrote it for mm-hmm. or had in mind wasn't that ethnicity. But I think there's a way of looking at it where, like, for instance, I just did a movie that the lead character was actually written from a white male perspective. But I, when I read the script, I was like, there's only a few references here to the character's ethnicity where I knew it wasn't written for someone who uh, was mixed race like me. Mm. Yeah. The rest of the story, though, was me. I was like, this character is definitely me. I could feel myself as this person just because his name is Jeff doesn't necessarily mean that I can't inhabit that character. And when I talked to the director, I was like, what would you think about me playing this role? Because he had considered me for a different role. And he's like, oh, yeah, he was totally open to it. That's awesome. And then we just had to go through the script and change a couple of scenes and just make it more accurate to sort of my experience. So it requires a little bit of effort. It requires a little bit of like creative thinking and openness. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be limited by necessarily our ethnic backgrounds. We can look at a story and characters as like, who is this person, right? And we can kind of get beyond that. And then we can sort of add the details Mm -hmm. and, and not erase our ethnicity, but actually add that as sort of like real specific color to the story, which is what we did. And I was just very happy about that, but it definitely takes like a conversation and then a willingness to to go through that together. Such an important reminder that to advocate for yourself, you know, particularly folks who aren't represented. And I wouldn't have done that probably like 10 or 15 years ago, Mm. which is like, it's a lesson for me that I think things have changed too, where I I would have been more scared. You know, I would have been like, I don't know if I should say this, like, uh, is it my place or not? Thankfully, we are in a time now where we can speak up a little bit more. You know, I know yeah. from my experience with working with the director I just worked on, he was really open to it, and I think appreciated that because I think people do want to hear different perspectives. It just adds adds more. It creates more conflict, creates more comedy. It's great. More of that stuff is what we need. I think. I love that. Speaking of, I want to talk about one of your forays into film. Well, a movie that I saw that really was kind of heart wrenching for me and like really beautiful in such a wonderful way. And I remember you getting the offer for it and the Tiger Hunter. It, it sent you to me, like, I love you dearly. And it, so it just sent you into another stratosphere of like how fucking amazing you are and like just how brilliant you are as an actor. When you were shooting, you shot in India, right? Yes. Great. So what was that like to be able to go and experience that, the, the, the part of you that was like, you know, wasn't kind of represented in the United States as much? Like, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it was incredible. So that was actually the first time I went to India was for this film. We filmed in Mumbai only for one week, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Lena Khan wrote and directed. Um, and it was my first time working with a female director of color. And it was just mm. it was just awesome. It was just an awesome experience because it was a very authentic story. Her story was very similar to mine about how our parents immigrated from India. My dad immigrated from India to Chicago in the 1970s. And that's the character I played, immigrates from 
India to Chicago in the 1970s. So when I yeah. read that script, yeah. I was like, did someone follow my life? Like it was crazy. <laughs> and so I met with Lena Khan and she asked me right away. She's like, can you drive a Vespa? And I was like, again, are you following my life? Because I have a Vespa. <laughs> I love Vespas. Yeah. And Should I bring my helmet or? I could have brought it to the audition. I didn't. <laughs> It was it was such a beautiful experience because it was a first time being on a set where most of the people were of South Asian or other underrepresented communities, the back their backgrounds, and that was just really kind of fun because we were able to yeah. share stories about our upbringings and and working in this industry and and just being together. It was a very community feel, community, different community, hey. but uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, For I don't know the reference. <laughs> Isn't that great though? You don't need to know it. It just makes me laugh though. I know you don't have to know now. Now I just want to say it. Uh, I don't know. So that experience was just really wonderful. The cast was so great. Karen, David, Parvesh was actually in the film too. I just remember the first time that I like walked out on the street and I was like, oh wow, this is the first time where I've ever been in a place where most people look like me. Mm. It was just incredible. It was cool. That is a thing that like so many people will never have to think to themselves. Do you know what I mean? And I think to your point earlier, like the fact that we get to say it out loud now and remind folks that like there are people who have never, ever been in a situation where everyone looked like them. That's crazy. I'm glad we talk about it. Yeah. You know, it was interesting, too, because it was like this weird dynamic. But I don't speak Hindi. I speak Polish, too. So it was just such an interesting experience Mm -hmm. where like when I go to Poland, no one looks like me, (laughs) but I know how to order Pierogi in Polish, you know? So there's, there's, right. You're like, it's a different experience. It's cool, you know? But then at the same time, like when I come back to America, I'm just like, like right now, I'm so excited because the NBA is on right now and I'm like a huge hoops fan. So I feel like being of mixed race, being sort of like with my family's from all over the place, sometimes I feel at home everywhere and I feel at home nowhere, you know? That's, that's kind of just part of it, you know? We have a really good question to follow this up with, actually, on this note. Hi, Danny. Uh, Regina here. My question for you is, what is your ultimate dream role? Whether TV or movies, what is your dream role to play? Hmm. Thank you, Regina. I think I've always wanted to play a villain. Oh my God, you'd be so good. Whether it's like a, a really great Shakespeare play or just some kind of like real good villain in some kind of heist movie. I just feel like that'd be unexpected, but I just love the idea of of like kind of really creating some chaos in people's lives on screen. It's a way for me to kind of deal with what's going on in my house where, you know, I'm constantly in chaos and I'm the bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That or I would like to be just really kind of any other portrayal of someone like me that I haven't done before, like against type, really, you know, whether it's like being a race car driver would be cool. You know, if it was Ford versus Ferrari versus Pootie, I'm in something like that, you know? (laughs) Oh, yes. You know that's the second installment. Why don't you throw a pooty in there too, right? <laughs> why wouldn't you? Why not, right? I don't know why we can't throw a pooty on anything. I'm thinking about a Vespa at the moment. So uh, I'm I racing them in a Vespa? Yeah. yeah. Vespa versus pooty. I'm soup that yeah, thing absolutely. up, man. I'm going to have to get the, the Fast and the Furious crew to help me soup up my Vespa. Uh, so yeah, it would be some kind of some kind of villain would be kind of fun. Something in, I, I would like to be in a Shakespeare play one day too. I've never done anything like of that, so I think that'd be fun. God, I haven't either. That's Oh my gosh, I just... Got to see from uh, The Affair, Ruth Wilson. I just mm. got to, her, to see her fool in King Lear last season Ooh. on Broadway. Holy shit, because she's, she's such a detailed film actor, and she's sort of like very quiet and intense and focused as a film actor and TV mm. actor. And The Fool is just this huge, you know, like on the table. And mm. she was amazing. Like, 
I, it was just so fun to see a, a TV and film actor really successfully transfer over to Shakespeare, I thought, in my opinion. Uh, that's really cool. I think if I could like sing really, really strongly like Andrew, it would be the MC in Cabaret. That's the other one role why I always like just love that role. But again, I don't feel like you need to be able to sing all that well to play that role. No, I don't think so either. I just would feel more confident. I think you can get away with it. You think so? Oh, I think so. If we had an out of town run, definitely you would have your chops before we came in. That'd be kind of fun. I just like the idea of like being in suspenders, Berlin, (laughs) rocking it out. Absolutely. A little face paint, a little this, a little that. Well, listen, Danny, I think we have one more question here, and I want to tell you kind of who it's from before we actually get it. Since you said you're a big sports fan, big hoops guy, we have June Lee from ESPN. He's a sports reporter. He's a 24-year-old Korean-American man who is a prolific sports writer, like all over baseball. He like tears shit up. He was at Bleacher Report for a little while. Now he's at ESPN, and he just tears shit up, and um, he's got a question for you. When was the time that you laughed the hardest on the set of Community? Ah, it's a good question. Nice to meet you. When was the time I laughed Four. the hardest on the set of Community? Four! <laughs> that is a difficult question because I truly laughed nonstop. <laughs> it was an incredible experience. There's there's so many memories that are like just kind of burned into my brain. Watching Ken Jong lather himself with Vaseline and jump into a vent oh my God. was one of the strangest <laughs> nope. and nope. funniest things I've, visuals I've ever seen. Watching Jim Rash rap in like a peanut costume. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm watching Gillian Jacobs do like this weird pizza dance. And then Donald and I, every week oh we had to do God. these tags that were often things that were kind of made up on the spot, sometimes written. And inevitably, I would be cracking up during those. We had a scene with a goat one time. And that Went was- well. <laughs> I, just, you, I mean, how do you keep it together? Like, you know, you see blooper reels and stuff. Like, once you get the giggles, like- how what is what is that like to be like hey listen cuz he was so many funny people you're like how do you just like even keep your shit together a little bit you don't i have a vivid memory of one time we were doing this scene where david cross was uh singing this weird song in it and ken jong is sitting next to him and we're all like looking at him we're trying to keep our faces like very straight and then there's a monitor the monitor is like shaking and then you realize the monitor shaking because Ken Jong is sitting next to David Cross and he's laughing so hard and like biting his finger that the bed is like shaking, which is causing like the monitor to shake. And so Ken, Ken was really hard because he would purposely try to make me laugh in a lot of scenes. He was like, he would literally go after me, which I just uh-huh. loved. Like, and he knew it because like my job is as Abed, I was very much like a sort of this canvas, a blank canvas. And I really keep a straight face a lot. And Ken knew that yeah. he would just go for it. And so he's laughing so hard. And eventually the director's like, Ken, just why don't you just step out. And then they just like kind of had to shoot the scene without Ken in it because <laughs> oh my God. he couldn't do it, you know? And yeah, he just couldn't do it. Yeah, I get uh, it. It was just, there was just so many of those experiences we had a lot of fun times. And that's, again, one of the best parts of this job is like oh laughing on stage God. with you in those moments, laughing on stage on the set of community. It's like, that is what I live for. That's what, that's what motivates me actually is being with buddies in a place where, you know, anything could happen. And then just trying to keep your shit together. That's the best. Oh, God, that's the best. Are you guys watching Righteous Gemstones at all? Did you watch I haven't it? seen it yet. No. Yeah, I haven't started it yet. Yeah. Fuck, that gal who plays Danny McBride's sister. I forget. They did something together before the show. And she's like, they wrote that character to be one of those women that's just like really serious. But while she's being really serious and crying, she's talking about leaving snail trails and creaming all over like, like her chair. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, and I hard. just I, that's exactly what I, was, uh-huh. I was watching it. And I was like, "There's zero way I would be able to that's, do that." Oh. I, I just pee my pants laughing. That would happen. You often, watch it. Off. I'm gonna watch that show, but like you'll just be laughing, and the second you start laughing, then you know it's like the next two to three takes are kind of yeah, you're, you're, you're out. 
they're done. My technique is usually I'll bite the inside of my cheek and then I'll just kind of like look towards my shoulder. So I'll do. <laughs> yeah. If I bite my cheek, there's a little bit of pain. And if I look towards the shoulder, I'm not focused on. You lose eye line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. But boy, boy, it's fun. That's what's fun. <laughs> I'm going to hire a young kid to now comb through YouTube clips, find every single time you do that oh my in anything and make a super cut yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll find a lot of those. Yeah. yeah. Generally, it's when Ken Jong is in the scene with me, I will say. That's fucking hilarious. Just to quickly like run back to June, who asked you that question, if you're interested in like super cool human beings. He was a guest on the podcast. You should listen to the episode because he sort of had this meteoric rise in the sports journalism world. But like he speaks a lot about being Korean American. Yeah. And he got to cover the Olympics in Korea oh. and Chloe Kim and what it was like to be there representing and seeing himself represented oh. and just in an industry that's very old and very white yeah. and very male dominated. It's, it's super inspiring and, and really fascinating. Oh, I, I actually cool. would love to talk yeah. to him because last year I actually did a pilot uh, where I played played a translator for a superstar Korean baseball player. Uh, it was a comedy and I was going to be sort of his interpreter. <laughs> Sung Kang was an amazing actor. He played the baseball player and I played his translator. And my buddy yeah. Chris Mars wrote it. It was a hilarious pilot. Didn't go, which was a bummer, mm. but it was super exciting for us because we were the two leads, me and Sung. And we were both like, we'd never seen anything like this where the two leads are yeah. two Asian American guys. You know, it was a wonderful experience. Bummed out it didn't go. I'd love to talk to him about that, actually. It was cool. We'll intro you guys on Twitter because he's all he's all over Twitter. This has been such a good conversation. Oh, As always, delightful. I don't even know why oh, I man. fucking say it anymore. I uh, know it's it's so serious, man. It's so good to catch up with you, man. I mean, seriously, the mic was here the whole time. Yeah, uh, what? <laughs> what are you up to? Where can people find you if they're listening? Uh, what you, what do you have coming down the pipeline? So um, coming up in 2020, we got a couple things. So I'm on a show called Mythic Quest for Apple TV+. Plus. You'll see that soon in early 2020. And I got a couple movies coming out soon. One is called Good Girls Get High. Another one is Baby Splitters. <laughs> yes. Keep an eye out for those things. So. And go yeah. give him a follow on the Twitter. Write your Twitters, right? At Danny Pudi. Um, taking a little bit of a social media break right now, but I'll put anything that's of note on there. Yeah. You guys can that's check it awesome, out. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Danny, so good to see you, brother. You too, man. Stay warm, man. Hey, lather up, dude. Winter in Chicago, man. Oh god, I'll do my best. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ken Jong. I'm gonna go Ken Jong in the <laughs> in the vent. Four. So, Andrew, I go through each episode because I pull all the content right now for social media. So I've heard every single episode multiple times. And I realized yesterday that we have, I think, in every single episode said, oh, my God, this is my favorite episode so far. <laughs> I just I can't I can't not be honest. I guess maybe we have to qualify that at some point and say, hey, listen, I know we've said this a bunch, but this is truly my favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad when we were putting our list of guests together, you thought to do Danny because, I mean, like everybody else, I just don't understand how we're getting so lucky to talk to people who are so good at what they do. And that's awesome. But like also yeah. so heartfelt and passionate and smart and thoughtful and challenging. Yeah. And he was no different. And insightful. Like sometimes you, you meet people who are just kind of like fluffy and not as real as you want them to be. But mm -hmm. it's like that's part of this podcast is I don't I don't think we know anybody who is just kind of fluff, true. you know? Yeah. Like I don't want to surround myself with that I want to surround myself with people who like have an opinion yeah it's just like he's been such a dear friend and he's such a real person that's why we get along really well yeah it's because you know he was like let's go grab a beer 
like the second day of rehearsal, I didn't even know who Danny Pudi was, honestly, like when I first got the job and then like kind of did some research on the cast and I was like, oh shit, this guy's hilarious. I've seen him on stuff. And then all of a sudden I walk in and like, he's just a genuine beer drinking, like funny dude. And it is just magical to be a friend to Mm -hmm. him. You know, I've been thinking too with his episode and June's episode and Cece's episode. Shout out if you haven't listened to them, go back and listen because they're so good. But um, how some of these conversations, particularly surrounding representation, Mm -hmm. like how different it must be for each person that is involved in this podcast and is listening to this podcast and how they process these stories. Because like you as a straight white man mm-hmm. are going to listen to what he's saying or, or any yeah. of those people I just said. And you're going to have your, like you were saying, your own discoveries and revelations. And I'm a woman, right? So I'm going to always put yeah. it through my like female leader challenge right. lens, yeah, right? right? And right, then right. like we have like a producer who's a young Asian American woman and she's got her lens. And yeah, I just, I think it's kind of neat that like it gives each of these conversations Conversations has given a real spectrum of folks something very specific and very interesting to think about as a result of the conversation. Guys, everybody out there, Patreon, Copy Club, the like, everybody who listened to this episode, thank you, thank you, thank you. Danny Pudi, a dear friend of mine, and I know Jess had a great time. Do not forget to follow at Danny Pudi to see all the amazing stuff that he's doing. He's taking a little bit of a break from social right now, so he might not get back to you if you DM him or something, but uh, he'll, he will eventually. And I know he's got a lot of cool stuff coming up, so don't forget to follow him at Danny Pudi on Twitter. I'm going to go home, I know, this weekend and watch Tiger Hunter. So if anyone wants to do that with me, let's get on Twitter and discuss it afterwards because I haven't seen it yet. It, it's sneaky good. You're like, oh, I know what this is going to be. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my heart's broken a little bit. That sounds like my perfect movie. And guys, don't forget to head over to Twitter on that note and follow us at TM2C Podcast. You can ask a question for our upcoming guests. You can also tell us who you follow on Twitter or on Instagram that's rad and smart and cool like our other guests. And we'll hunt them down. Someone just sent me a text this morning, Andrew, a link to a TEDx talk about grief. Okay. How it doesn't leave you, but you live with it. And she was like, I literally really want you guys to interview this person on Take Me to coffee so i was like cool i will reach out so we'll do that you send them to us we'll hunt them down y'all that's it for this episode of take me to coffee and you know what now it's your turn number one check out new episodes every thursday on your favorite podcasting platform apple music spotify cast whatever you use we're there two for special bonus content including being able to see (laughs) danny pooty today Join our coffee club over at Patreon, www.patreon.com slash TM2C podcast. I think there was literally a moment where he was wearing seven pairs of glasses. He had seven pairs of glasses and then had like a nose, but then like kind of hit his face for a second and like did some magical stuff where he like there was a flower. At one point, uh, he's a magician. I don't, I don't understand it. And guys, your contribution helps us continue to make this podcast for you, with you, and totally ad free for now anyway. <laughs> that sounded ominous. And or intriguing. Three, download these episodes and leave us a review so we can emerge from the dark corners of the podcast swamp. Roar, Halloween time. I'm Jess. And I'm Andrew. We'll see you next week. We'll see you week. next week. Then you have